Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. You are listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Brand Duffy. That's right. Another week and the summer rolls on as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast continues. I'm Fran Duffy. And as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 139. At the top of this week's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where I chat with former Eagles offensive tackle John Runyon to talk about the offensive line position, this Eagles offensive line, and the keys to a long NFL career in the trenches. Then next up on Scouting Report, I go through my notes on one of the Eagles undrafted free agents as I've done over the last couple of episodes. And this week, that player is former LSU offensive tackle Toby Weathersby. Now, while I'm on the topic of college football, let me just make a quick announcement. Those of you that listen to the Journey to the Draft podcast may remember that I teased on our last episode after the draft that we could be back sooner than you thought. Well, that is going to be right around the start of training camp. That is right. We will be talking about college football and previewing next year's NFL draft every week over the course of the season over on the Journey to the Draft podcast. So if you're someone who unsubscribes from that show after the draft and waits for the postseason to get here, head on over there, get unrivaled previews of the top prospects around the country. I'm going to have great guests every single week. We will be reading notes and all the best players. There's going to be great access. I'm really psyched about this. So just go give that a subscribe and even a review or a comment if you've got a moment before things roll, get started rolling here again in August. But before we get into all that, let's not waste any more time. I caught up with John Runyon this week to discuss this Eagles team heading into camp and to get the nitty-gritty of the offensive line position. Let's get into that chat now in Chalk Talk. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. Pleased to be joined by former Eagles offensive lineman John Runyon. Uh, John, I appreciate the time here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. A lot that I want to hit on with you. Uh, I guess first off, though, and this is the first thing I usually ask whenever we have a, a player or a coach in, what, if you could give our listeners just one thing that maybe flies under the radar playing the offensive line spot. Uh, that maybe fans don't really think about, but it's really just a, a tough part that people really just kind of, uh, you know, let un- go under the radar a little bit. You know, I, I think, and you see it afterwards, you see it uh, around all the time, the beating that your hands take, believe it or not. You know, I, and I know after I got done playing, you know, it's like you got to take your wedding ring into the jeweler and get it resized because your, your knuckles don't swell all the time, <laughs> you know, and it's just that if you actually have them that still point north and south, you know, your fingers are usually going different directions. But sure. it was it was just one of those things that, you know, people think it's you're throwing shoulders at people. But this game, it's all feet and hands. Yeah, sure. It's, it's always interesting for me, you know, learning more about the position. It's probably the position where I admittedly know the least about and um, you know, reading a lot. And it's interesting to find players and how they initially got to the offensive line. You know, guys that maybe started at tight end and kind of grew into it, guys that started on defense and then made the, the full-time switch to offense. What was that transition like to you? Was, that a, was it a position that you played all growing up? Like, when did you first make that transition? I think you kind of said it in your question. It's something you grow into. Yeah. I always look at football as you usually end up at a position by body type. Mm. And, you know, for, you know, someone in high school or whatever, that, that transition – you're not fully developed to sometimes some guys 18 some guys 20 years old so it's something where you know do you have the height have you put the weight on it was high school I only played football for two years I did it because I stopped growing 
and I wasn't going to be able to play center in Division One basketball. So it was another opportunity, you know, to go get an education and have someone else pay for it, you sure. know. And it just happened. And when I when I first started playing football, I was a tight end, and I was I was an all conference defensive end my junior year in high school. Then they kind of moved me to offensive line to see what it would see what it looked like. But I still excelled at defensive line. Mm. But then you get into that body type thing where you were just didn't have that little extra bit of speed that you really need to get around the corner. But because you were in high school, you were bigger than everybody else, and you were one of the best athletes on the field, sure. so you could manage. So kind of get routed into that in college and being a basketball player you had the agility I had the hands I had all that kind of stuff but you know when uh, you know, I played football my senior year in high school at 275 which I am right now right. you know and then you end up you know two years two years into the NFL and I'm 340 yeah. so you're 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 kind of really stuck into it but it's that it's it's taking a guy with a with a bigger frame that is agile, and you know you have two of them here. You have sure. <laughs> Lane and uh, Jason Peter. So it, it, it's that type of thing. You have athletes that you can add bulk to that are going to make them successful. That's what I just find it so interesting, and especially now where you, know, you look at it. Used to be, you know, back when I remember when I was a kid, you know, following the NFL draft, everybody would say, "Oh, well, safe pick is an offensive lineman in the first round. It's going to be a, a safe pick in the first round." And then I feel like as we've gotten older, you know, I remember like there was that stretch in the, the middle of this decade where it seemed like there were a lot of guys that were coming, there were high picks in the NFL draft that didn't succeed early. And now we're seeing, you know, former defensive linemen that are drafted right away and moved over to offensive line, former tight ends that are making the transition. And we've seen that all through time. You know, obviously Jason Peters was a former tight end as well. But um, it's been interesting to me just kind of following it. And I think a lot has been written about the state of offensive line play. What are your feelings, I guess, on that in general, just across the scope of the league uh, at the position? Well, I think one of the people people don't realize that it's probably one of the most technical positions on the field. And I, I believe it or not, I just had this conversation with Coach John Madden last night. Wow. And, and just talking about when your technique fails or you're out of position, that's where your athletic ability takes over. So if you're really athletic, but you lack the repetition of the technique, mm -hmm. your, your, your uh, athletic ability can bail you out of those situations. So there, there is a balance there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's great to be an athlete, but if you're always stressing yourself, getting guys on edges because you're oversetting them, undersetting them, you're not, your timing's off and that kind of stuff, it can happen. But as you progressively get older and your body wears down, that athleticism kind of, you know, you, you peak in your mid-20s anyway. Right. So yeah. it's going to fall off. So you really have to do rely on that, those technical aspects of the game. Were there times when, you know, you played in the NFL for a long time, when, were there times where a young guy would come in and you could just kind of see it early, like he might have been a first or second round pick, but it's probably not going to work because of those things. And I, and I think it's a focus because the kind of like I said about playing defensive line earlier, when you're in high school and you're in college and you're one of the better athletes on the field, are you really focused on learning the little niches of that of you know your job? Mm. And uh, and some people get to it some people have great technical offensive line coaches and some people don't so you become a product of your environment and sometimes you know when you get into a competitive situation like the nfl where the playing field is really kind of leveled mm -hmm. everybody's athletic everybody's big well who's how are you going to make the difference and what the longevity is as your athleticism tails off is going to be your ability to study technique refine technique and understand that every guy you're going to block up a block every week 
you got to tweak your techniques and game plans and all that kind of stuff just to battle the guy that you're going to face that week. What was the hardest when you made the the switch in college? What was the hardest thing for you to kind of get that, you know, and from a technical standpoint to really kind of get your, your head wrapped around? And even, I guess, when you went from college to the NFL, I'm sure there was probably more growth that was needed. What were the toughest parts for you when you made the transition? I think it it's, you know, the technical part of it. The technical part is one thing where you got to get that muscle memory to stop thinking about that type yeah. of stuff. Because you get into all these offensive schemes now where there's so many different things going on, there's so many reads and so many different calls. And that's that's this game in general. If you're thinking, you're slow. And right. if you're slow, you're beat. Right. So it's that is what what part can I master that's going to be the most consistent? And for me, it was the technical aspect. I can I can master myself of being low, being square, getting off the ball on time. As the game plan evolves around you, now I can use my 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 room for error, if you will, that that thinking aspect of it on the schematic part of the game. So you obviously played for a long time for Juan Castillo, and he was known as a great developer of, of young offensive linemen and guys that you know maybe came in undrafted or sixth or seventh round picks and turned them into into future starters. When you, what was your relationship like with Juan, and what was he able to do to kind of get the most out of some of those young guys? I think at the end of the day, it really comes down to repetition. It's mastering that, and and I always say this too. You know, when a coach puts you out on the field, they got to know what to expect. You know, and specifically in the technique area, if I'm asking you to do something, I, I, I tell my son this who plays college football right now. Right. It's like if you do what the coach is asking of you and you mess it up, it's on the coach. It ain't on you. Sure. So if you're not out there freelancing, you're going to be around this game a long time. Right. Yeah. It's it's just really interesting. I remember, you know, being a kid uh, when, you know, when you were playing and watching and go to training camp and see like, all right, who's the offensive lineman that, that you could kind of tell like there would be a, someone that Juan Castillo would kind of pick out very early and say like, this is going to be our guy that I'm going to try and, and whether it was like Jamal Jackson or, you know, Bridges or any of those guys all coming up. Uh, so it was just really interesting to kind of follow and see which of those guys would stick, what they, if, how they would go on and uh, have the rest of their NFL careers. And I, I think the big part of a lot of that too, especially for young guys yeah. is, not getting injured at the wrong time because mm. you're going to be given an opportunity. And if you get something that tweaked, you know, even back in those days and, you know, you're doing two days, sometimes three days mm. and you have to miss three days. It, it sets you back a sure. lot because, you know, you're not you're not building that rapport with the coach. You're not building that confidence that he would have to put you out on the field. And unfortunately, injuries do happen. Sure. And it's that whole balance of pushing yourself through what you can do, knowing it's not going to affect you long term, but it's also that mental toughness to saying, when I'm banged up, I'm, I'm still going to show up and perform and do the best I can. So yeah. that's there's a, there's a lot of different dynamics that play into it. And you, with your current role in the league, obviously you're very aware of what the game is now. And uh, you had some time away, and so you retired. You, got, you take some time away from the game. You come back. Is the game a little bit different now? Not necessarily in terms of the behind the scenes and you know practice time and things like that, but just in terms of the schematics and what they're asking uh, players to do up front. Is, is it any different, or are you still seeing kind of the same things that you would see when you played? It changes a little bit. I mean, you think about this league in, in general from the college game. In the college game, if you put three athletes on the field, you're in the running for a national championship. Yep. In, the, in the NFL, what's going to win you the Vince Lombardi trophy? Probably a drop-back passer. Mm -hmm. You know, so you take those two scenarios where, you know, in the college game, you get those athletes you do some read option, misdirection, kind of stre stretch the field and create space. Well, at this level, everybody's fast. There's not a lot of space out there. So that's where, 
you know, the, the value an offensive line comes in to be able to sustain blocks and, and create alleys. Yeah. And you're not going to trick a lot of people because if you trick them mentally, they have the physical tools to recover. Yeah. You know, that's that athleticism we've been talking about. Sure. So that, that's really the change of it. And you got to think about this, too. The, they've learned that they've come up from high school running a skill set like that. College, a lot of colleges run that. And then they come here and the rules are set up for a passing game and it's a little bit different than the college game and a lot different than the high school game so you have to be able to adapt even our rules adapt and change to make the game safer make the game a lot funner you know all that kind of stuff and put those points on the boards because that's what the fans like so there are there are obstacles you have to overcome but it's like anything else in life you have to adapt to the rules and that's really our job at the league office to make sure you know that competitive balance is there to make sure everybody's playing on on a on a fair field your favorite play to run during your playing days got one Uh, i always loved you know the old uh god what what coach recalled it It was past 67 solid so it was a it was a nice play action play big i think it was almost like a nine nine step drop after they got the play fake out and rolled back around but it was literally go down and help the guard Get the get the guard set up with the defensive tackle, sure. and you technically had the linebacker who was looming that would have the tight end next to you. And you know, the, if the end ran up the field, you can come up there and clean him up clean as you try to be, <laughs> try to beat the beat the uh, the tight end around the corner. So you know, Chad Lewis and I had a lot of fun with that with that play in our day. Sure. How about uh, in the run game? The run game, you know, there, there, there's a lot of them, but yeah. you know, a lot of the uh, a lot of the uh, the counter gap plays okay. you know creating angles and you know climbing up the linebackers and it, it's it's something you don't do a lot mm-hmm. you don't get a lot of repetition because it is such of a physical play because everything's vertical there's less east and west movement in that type of stuff so right. it is you know it it, it, it kind of gave me the ability to use what i do is like beat on people instead yeah. of you know try to position in people and then try to run and try to keep them covered up. So it just kind of fit, fit my skill set a little better. I've talked with former offensive linemen who say their favorite play was power mainly, and not because, oh, you get the double T with the point of attack or anything. It was, I liked being a puller because then my family in the stands would be able to point and say, like, oh, yeah, there he is <laughs> moving amongst that crowd of people. Yeah, but I can remember pulling a couple times. <laughs> I remember pulling one time. It was late in John Randall's career, and there was a call you know, we had where – just the uh, the formation the defensive front was different yep. and I got a call from Trey Thomas on the other side like usually you'd pull up in the hole and he's telling me they got a kick out and I'm like well John Randall's not lined up over here he's over there and I'm like this is gonna hurt <laughs> <laughs> and you know and I, I literally I was you know I, I've talked to John about it a couple times over the yeah. years he goes yeah I remember that one <laughs> he goes you tried to hit me as hard as you could and you know we we basically just kind of Ran into each other at the point of contact. No one moved, but, you know, then Deuce Staley went for, like, 23 yards after that. So, sure. it was all right. <laughs> what was that like playing with Deuce? You, I, when you're in town, do you get to catch up with him at all? Do you guys reminisce about uh, about the good old days, I guess? Uh, a little bit here yeah. and there. You know, it was, sure. it was always fun uh, being around Deuce because Deuce was one of those guys that even if he had two guys hanging on him, he was still trying to lean forward. And you never knew when he was going to break one of those tackles and come squirting out of the pile. Sure. So, that – it, 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 you always gave the extra effort when he was around to get around the pile and start pushing because you didn't know what was going to happen. Moving on to the defensive side, um, watching the game now, do you see any differences in what in terms of what defense? Because I feel like I go back and I watch things that like Jim Johnson used to do, and 
it's so similar to what you see now, like Mike Zimmer, the double-A gap stuff, and everything that they'll try and throw uh, at offenses. When you look at things now, is it almost like you're still seeing a lot of the same things, or are there some differences that maybe you didn't see when you played? No, you see a lot of the same yeah. stuff. And, and I think a lot of it, and I always say this, is like if you're, if you're spending the time in the classroom and you're studying it, all those blitzes in that mm. are really there to confuse you, and they're to test you. Are you up on your X's and O's? Yeah. Because if they're putting two guys in the A gap and one guy decides not to block down on it, now you got a sack. Yeah, you know right. it's over. So they're they're checking your your preparedness, and it's not only you know it's not only the coaches, it's the players too. They all have to because I say this all the time. Those five guys up front, I goes as long as we're all doing the same thing, even if it's really not what we're supposed to do. If we're all on the same page, our quarterback and running back can figure it out yeah. and make up for that. But when you got three guys doing one thing and two guys doing another, that's when those defensive schemes create free guys running at quarterbacks and tackles for losses. So yeah. it's it's that thing where every guy up there has to be well and that's why people get nervous when you gotta put a backup guy in there. You gotta sure. put your sixth or seventh guy in there because they haven't seen those blitzes. Yeah. And they haven't seen them you know, when when that's live and when it matters. It's nice to be able to pick it up in a walkthrough when you're half pace and all that kind of stuff. But when you're screaming and you get in, the, you know, you have that adrenaline flowing. I've been in games, you know, a guy walks up and like, I know I'm supposed to block him, but I can't get the call out of my mouth to tell the guard to go block this other guy. Yeah. And it's it's that kind of stuff you're getting comfortable with. And those are the things I feel like fans don't, they don't experience that, so they don't, they're not aware of it. And I think it, it's, that stuff is so interesting to hear. Last topic I want to hit you on is the, uh, I guess, this Eagles team. You mentioned earlier Jason Peters and Lane Johnson. Uh, what was it like watching this whole group uh, and really the whole team just go on that Super Bowl run? What were your takeaways from watching this offense, and particularly the op- offensive line? It's just fun, you yeah. know, and it, it's fun being around. I, I was, you know, being playing offensive line, and people always doubting you and trashing you because they don't know. Yep. They don't know what it takes and, you know, how easy, as long as the guy's mentally prepared to actually have interchangeable. I, I always say the difference between a backup and a starter is repetition. Mm. That's all it is. And if you got a guy that has some confidence and is not scared and he's going to go out there and execute, that's what this team did all year long. On both sides of the ball, just plugging the next guy in, and you know, and Doug had a lot to do with that. Is creating that environment and, and creating that, you know, that that family atmosphere. It was like, hey, you know, next guy's up, but we all got to help him. We all got to pitch him. Doug's got to help in and pitch him, and not put guys in uncomfortable positions by a play call. And he, him and Frank did a hell of a job doing that all year for everybody. Sure, no question about it. Well, John, I appreciate the time here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. I'll let you run. appreciate the time, and we'll catch you later. All right, thanks for having me. Great stuff from John, and you could follow him just like I do on Twitter, at BigJDR, and while you're at it, I'm at FDuffy3. That's where I post all of the podcasts I'm a part of and all of our X's and O's content that we produce at PhiladelphiaEagles.com, and you know I greatly appreciate everybody that promotes this podcast on social media. That is one way to support the show, but the other is to go onto Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, give us a rating, or even leave us a comment. We've had a ton of great comments lately on Apple Podcasts, so I wanted to catch up on a few that I haven't highlighted yet. Pooja McGriddle checked in and said how much they love our breakdowns from Greg Cosell. Don't worry, they will be back again this fall. Leroy12 checked in saying he enjoyed his first Eagle Eye experience. So thank you, Leroy, for commenting after your first listen. 
12 by 12 Eggs was listening to the show when the Eagles selected Dallas Goddard back in April. Just happened to be listening as I was reading my scouting report on him. So thanks for checking in. I'm glad you enjoyed that episode a few weeks ago with Dan Orlovsky. That's an evergreen show. So if you're interested in quarterback play, I would I would definitely suggest go back, listen to what Dan Orlovsky had to say. That was about a mid-April show. So a few episodes back. Go and give that a listen. And then lastly, Frank Jinn commented, left a great review, very thoughtful, very well written. So thank you, Frank, and all of you out there for your continued support of this show and all the rest of our podcast offerings on PhiladelphiaEagles.com. All right, let's keep this show moving. Over the next couple of episodes, before we get into training camp, I will take a deeper dive into some of the Eagles' undrafted free agents and what they will be able to show off this summer. This week, we're going with offensive tackle Toby Weathersby. He is the subject this week in our scouting report. Dim those lights. We're headed to the film room for the scouting report. All right, so Toby Weathersby, 6'4 and 3'8, just over 6'4, 317 pounds from Houston, Texas. Four-star recruit out of high school, goes to LSU, declared for the draft as a true junior, despite just starting 15 games in his career as a one-year starter at right tackle for offensive coordinator Matt Canada this past fall. Got plenty of reps on the left side as well, both at tackle oversets and also just kind of rotating in there. So he does have experience both left and right tackle. He's tall, a little bit of an underdeveloped frame. It's not always pretty with this kid, but he's got just enough foot quickness, I think, to ride the arc against speed rushers off the edge he relaxed reacts really quickly to inside rush moves he's pretty clean with his power step doesn't waste much movement to protect his inside gap I was pretty impressed overall for such a bigger uh, for such a big kid for the way that he was able to change direction patient with his punch and while he keeps his hands holstered against speed rushers he does time that initial strike pretty well flashes the ability to drop his anchor and hold up against a bull rush and does a solid job in the run game of using his hands resetting them once they're knocked down when he gets a hold of a linebacker or a blitz DB, he can blow them backwards at the second level. From a negative standpoint, I mentioned his feet are probably just good enough to be where they need to be from an NFL standpoint, not quite where you'd probably want for a future starter at the position. He can be beaten off the edge by a well-timed first step. He does come off the ball a little bit high. That's something he can correct. Doesn't drive opposing linemen backwards on contact. Really benefit, I think, from an NFL weight room. So uh, getting him here and being able to kind of develop his body, I think is going to be imperative for this kid. He does expose his chest a little bit in the run game, and that can allow defenders to set the edge on him, so that's something he can work on from a technique standpoint. He can work on his timing with his double teams in the run game as well, and then just being able to kind of search and destroy. When he gets out in space, being able to kind of break down and locate a smaller target, that's something that he can improve on as well. Right now, when I look at this kid, I see him as kind of a moldable ball of clay. He didn't test all that well, and I think that's why he didn't get drafted in this class, but overall... If you can really start to put on some weight onto that frame, I think that his feet are just good enough that you can really kind of mold him into a swing backup type of tackle, uh, kind of, you know, into what Big V has been to a certain extent for this team. So uh, that would be a player that I would keep an eye on along uh, up front along the offensive line from the undrafted fr- uh, ranks there, Toby Weathersby. So great stuff from John Runyon and all of you out there listening, whether you're on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, Google Play, and of course on PhiladelphiaEagles.com and the Eagles mobile app. Thank you. And again, one more time, please take a few seconds, go rate the show, leave us a comment. Don't be afraid to leave a question on there too because I would love the ability to answer it here on the podcast. All that being said, I think that'll do it. Another show in the books here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. For everybody here at the Novacare Complex, I'm Fran Duffy. We will talk to you next week.